0: Welcome to the Council of Trend Podcast, a production of Catholic Answers.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Council of Trend Podcast. I'm your host, Catholic Answers apologist and speaker, Trent Horn. Joining me is Cameron Bertuzzi from Capturing Christianity. And today we are talking about what Catholics should not say to Protestants. And I think, Cameron, you'd be an excellent guest to talk about that because of your recent announcement that you plan to be received in the Catholic Church. Now, you've been publicly investigating this for quite a while, so it's not a surprise to people. You were investigating the claims of Catholicism, kind of a jumping-off point from your original discussion with Matt Frad a while ago. Uh, And so I think that this is—I'm really excited to talk to you about this today because there's a lot of co-mingling between Catholics and Protestants amongst Capturing Christianity— Pints of the Quietness, my podcast, because you have a lot of people who care about defending mere Christian theism, mm-hmm. the existence of God, the resurrection, when they disagree about Catholic Protestant issues. And sometimes those disagreements are very fruitful. Other times, ugh, it's like, oh, I wish you hadn't said this or that. So I think for someone who's been on both sides, someone who's a Protestant investigating and now you are convicted. But I think you could really help us speak to, all right, what? What is helpful for a Protestant who's mm-hmm. looking at Catholicism? And what is just not helpful that just is kind of repellent, maybe? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you think of that.
0: Well, uh, the first thing that, that came to mind is actually something that occurred after I made the announcement. Interesting. And that is all of the welcome home messages that I received. Really? So, yeah, in one, like, I, in one sense, I really understand like the sentiment and wanting to welcome someone to what you believe is true right but at the same time it was like it did come across well like everybody was saying it right and uh, it's it's also hard for me to put into terms like exactly how I feel about it because it's in some sense it feels kind of cringy but in some sense it feels like appropriate it feels like you know you should be kind of doing that so it's hard for me like this first one I'm kind of like I kind of want to say don't do it but I also kind
1: of understand and like well I think there's a fine line and and honestly when we talk about today like what Catholics what people shouldn't say to one another everybody's different. Yeah. Like yeah, right. what is fine to one person could be offensive to another person. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can sift through on some of these say like yeah nearly everyone's going to be offended by that or this could go either way. Mm-hmm. So like perhaps some of the notes of congratulations you have to watch out because it can be easy maybe to slide into being kind of patronizing
0: or like um,
1: or denigrating. Uh,
0: the term that I want to use is like uh, like claiming victory. Triumphal. Kind of triumphal. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Triumphalism.
0: So it can kind of sound like that at times. But again, I, th- I think that most people are like, you know, the, the, the like what they're actually trying to communicate is something very nice. Right, and so that's that's why I'm like this isn't a, a super big deal, but it is oh, nevertheless sure. like. Mm, but I think we need to do that. Well,
1: maybe what's important to remember, and so let's say we're talking about so right now we're talking about Catholics speaking to Protestants who have announced mm-hmm. that they would like to become right. Catholic. Right. Uh, I think that maybe an important thing to keep in mind is that uh, while a Catholic may be feeling very emotionally high, like, oh, this is great, this is amazing, this is awesome, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's, go, let's do this right now, you know, somebody, <laughs> somebody get the oil over here, and the bishop uh, get confirmed right now, uh, you know, you, you might feel very, and, and Matt, that's not a dig on you or anything like that, but that, obviously a Catholic will feel very happy, but for someone who's Protestant, it's like, almost like, you can have like a queasy feeling. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like that feeling you get when you're a little kid and you go to the amusement park and you finally hit 52 inches, and You can go on the double loop roller coaster. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Whew. I mean, it, it, right? Is that maybe yeah. like it's still kind of like you? When someone's like, yeah, all right, you're like, hey, this is still a a big step for me. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. That that's actually like a a good way of putting it. I think is is it is kind of still like uh this is this is still kind of intimidating, you know? Yeah, so, and
1: you want to walk someone yeah. through that. You know, there's like okay, let's um. You know, be uh, and what I would always say, like when somebody tells me, like, "Oh, I'm becoming I'm Catholic," or "I read your book and now I want to be Catholic." What I always want to say is, pra- "Praise be to God. Mm-hmm. Praise be to God that He used uh, maybe something was in my book, or maybe this person or that person to lead you to His Church." And let, I want to give Him praise and thanks for that. And now, what can I do to help you to to you know be more fully? Yeah. incorporate it and, under, and understand and continue your journey, maybe. So I, I think the idea of treating is like welcome home. It's like I'm st- I'm still kind of trying to get there. Yeah, and you want to help yeah. be there, like hey, you got questions? Figure things out. Let's keep walking through that, maybe. Mm-hmm. So,
0: but but again, I think that I mean, in in kind of defense of the people that have said that, is I, I think they might just be expressing something like praise God. Exactly. It's it's well meaning. Yes, exactly.
1: And I would agree with that. And I think it's just you just have to understand that when you say something. Just remember, this person could still be in a anxious or queasy or uneasy position. Yeah, I, I position. love your,
0: I love the analogy that you gave of the roller
1: coaster. the roller coaster. It's, it's like, like, hey, you, you might have
0: been
1: Yeah, you've been on the roller coaster a hundred times, and it's like, yeah, you're going to ride now. It's like, hey, he hasn't done it a hundred times. Let's yeah. just be cognizant of that.
0: Yeah, and like even like when I when I go to mass and stuff, it's it's still very foreign to me. It's still, oh. it's still very strange.
1: Well, when I was coming into the church myself, it was about twenty years ago. I was always like how am I supposed to sit or stand? What am I supposed to do?
0: Like everybody do? knows what to say at the right time and like the order of the service and how it's all going to go. Yeah. But you know what? I, I did sort of feel that again
1: about four years ago when I started attending a Byzantine Catholic church. Hmm. So this would be a church in the Eastern Rite. Mm-hmm. And I sort of had that same feeling all over again that it, it's a very different liturgical rubric because it comes from an Eastern liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, St. Saint Basil, Saint Basil the Great uh but you're right I, I think it's like you you want to help people where you you can be happy about it uh but just always be cognizant of where they're at and be there to meet their needs i guess yeah so yeah. what are what are some other things you think may not be super helpful especially even let's say maybe there's people who have announced
0: yeah you know? let me uh let me pull up my my list um so another thing is that—and and I think part of this was was my fault and that I didn't really communicate right. where Brittany was. Sure. but Your wife. My wife, Brittany, yeah. I didn't communicate that she was still firmly Protestant right. in the announcement videos. And part of the reason why I did that is because I wanted to respect her privacy. And um, But what we—like, what happened as a result of that, I mm. think people just kind of assumed— that she came along on the journey and was like converting as right. well or something. And so she was receiving all of these same types of messages from right. Catholics congratulating her on right. converting and welcome home and here are all these different resources that you can do now that you're a Catholic and stuff and it was um it was a lot. So
1: and it's hard because this is emotional for her just processing this major change that you've made. Right. And then now and and it would be hard enough if nobody else knew about this right and now when you you open your because that like for me like i am grateful like 20 years ago when i chose to become catholic i was just some kid in high school mm-hmm. you know, nobody i can just listen to my william lane craig debates and i can read a book and i can decide and i've got a few people to talk about it with mm-hmm. but it's not like the whole like i will say i'm just so grateful how god has worked through everything to bring you to this point but i i am not envious of the position you were in 'Cause it's so weird. It's like, I'm gonna be I'm gonna become Catholic. Well, what am I supposed to say to, to Gavin Ortland, James White? Well, I'm gonna stay Protestant. Well, how am I supposed to explain that to Swan Sana and Jimmy Aiken? Yeah. It's like here are all these people that have studied all this stuff and I'm gonna you guys are right and you're wrong. Here's why. Like no one can
0: ever be in a position to like yeah. you know? Is that yeah, know. yeah. I think that's that's part of it.
1: But And then, and then all the other anonymous people like Saying stuff. So then, they yeah, well, made, yeah. Oh, what I was gonna say is yeah. that yeah,
0: th- one of the biggest differences, obviously, for from like a, a normal conversion story or someone, or, and and my conversion story is that it, it was very very public. Right. Okay. So I think what we've what we've seen is th- there's always going to be people that make assumptions. Always going to like even Brittany was even uh, even receiving like emails from Catholics saying that she was going to hell and stuff, and it was like. I, I because she wasn't converting because she wasn't converting ah, yeah that, oh, we'll add that as an
1: asterisk things um catholics shouldn't say to protestants <laughs> if you don't convert you're going to hell <laughs> don't say that <laughs> well i mean because here's the thing even if there is a true proposition even if there's something you're even if you're because you could say to someone you know because that's like a very basic kind of evangelism you could say in general like yeah. to someone it's not always just going to get you right off the ground to start talking. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean that is one thing that people have used in the past is this sort of hellfire preaching. Right. And you know Catholics aren't alone in using it. Right. But um, Protestant. I mean, we were we went to a basketball game the other night. We were invited to go, and there were people outside with uh, signs about you know you're going to hell and and everything. It's like because of basketball. Mm, no, they just they they were just out there like. <laughs> evangelizing
1: so, <laughs> because then there's other because there's people who might say Brittany, oh in choosing to not become catholic you're going to hell and i'm sure there's people saying that you're damned now because yeah. you've joined yes. the catholic church yes and, and you're and you're open to arguments you're like that that doesn't immediately help me to want to engage your position like exactly. what's your exactly
0: exactly yeah that's not the best way to get someone interested in to to hear what you got to say
1: well in um in logic there is a a kind of ad not ad hominem it's called argumentum ad baculum the appeal to force Hmm. Uh, believe this or else this bad thing will happen Hmm. now on the one hand it is appropriate to let people know if you believe x this is consequence y yeah and there is a place to do that but i think that it's just people will say it's like i'm just being tough love and just saying like Mm -hmm. it is i'm going to be honest with you i think in a lot of those cases I think it's because it's easier for you to just say that than it is to make a case or engage in a gracious dialogue. Mm-hmm. And you'd rather not do those harder things that are mm-hmm. more effective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, but um,
1: but with Brittany, though, like, the, you know, yeah. so back to the spouses, you don't want to assume.
0: Yeah. J- yeah. That, that's just the, the kind of the main point is is uh, of this second one is don't assume that both are on the same journey, you mm-hmm. know, together or that they've come to the same conclusion mm-hmm. even if they have uh, gone on the journey together so that it, it, but what i was going to say too is that i i think that what we're seeing is because it is so public there's all like this may not happen on a smaller scale so like if you know a, a group of friends hears that someone is converting or whatever mm-hmm. um e- most people are i would assume are just going to kind of like leave it alone and it's not going to be that big of a deal but right but if it's on a public platform and right. there's thousands of people that are aware of what's going on then you're bound to have people who make those sorts of assumptions and it's it's bound to happen so i, I i'm not saying that like it was unexpected or anything mm-hmm. but i am saying that uh, just be aware of it don't yeah. don't just assume that
1: and I think a point you raised—I um, don't know if we said this—but I, I think that there is a concern, maybe about any. This can happen to anybody. Yeah. But let's say Catholic speaking to Protestants is a kind of triumphalism. Yeah, a sense of, you know, we ah, we, oh, we got one. Or yes. maybe on a smaller scale, may not. You know, let's take the smaller scale, just regular people. Someone says something like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I'm looking into Catholicism, and I'm not sure. Or I'm Protestant, like someone says like a weird like a comment like oh well you're catholic you just don't know it yet or oh well we'll get you eventually or mm-hmm. it's these kind of semi-triumphalist comments i i feel like those to have the propensity to maybe rub somebody the wrong way
0: yeah 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 i mean i i i'm kind of used to that as like someone who talks about atheism there's right. a lot of atheists that engage in our comments and everything and so i'm, I'm kind of used to people like saying things making assumptions about my motives and mm. all that kind of stuff and so I, I it's easy for me at this point now that i'm so used to it i, I just i can ignore a lot of that and in comments of people saying oh well he'll get there eventually there was actually uh, someone in, in person that i met in steubenville mm. who's, who said that at dinner yeah like, oh you'll get there eventually and i was like okay yeah you're like it, it can once again at that point i was like i was still I had all of my objections still. I had like right. from from annihilationism, from uh, divine, simplicity. divine simplicity, and the Eucharist, and mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, I don't know that I'll, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Well, it can
1: it can come off once again with of hubris, triumphalist, instead of wanting to meet someone mm-hmm. where they're at, you are saying like, you know, I, well, I I pray you get there, and I've I have hope, yeah, or something, yeah. something like you. Once again, the things you say or not say. Some people have different senses of humor they can take a a rougher abrasion other people it's like hey you don't want to be i think you should always err on the side of being being gracious to people mm-hmm. so but it but it's interesting there about the speculating on motives might be interesting cuz mm-hmm. we wouldn't like it if an atheist said to us the only reason you're christian is cause you're you're afraid of dying you're afraid of life being meaningless or you you did this you because your parents told you or mm-hmm. you did this or that so maybe that might be another one like catholics You don't. When you're talking to a Protestant, don't say, "Oh, well, the reason you're Protestant is because you want to be your own pope, Mm -hmm. or you don't want to give up this teaching, or that, or you don't want to give up this moral practice." Mm -hmm. It can, you know, it it can be the same grading thing. Even if it's right, like even even if it's right, that's
0: true. Like, is that a is that the best way to to go about?
1: Do you want to tell people that, or do you want to ask them questions and they essentially reveal that to Mm -hmm. you? That's more powerful.
0: Yeah, if you can get to that point, I I would find that very difficult to like ask questions to the point of them revealing, oh yeah, I just believe it because my background or whatever. That's how. Yeah, I was well, raised. well, you know what,
1: it's kind of like I had a conversation with an atheist once and we were going through a lot of the objections and she eventually said it wasn't really the arguments. It was the fact that her friends at church kind of uh cut her off or they weren't as good friends with her after she decided to live, move in with her boyfriend mm. and she didn't think that that was a big deal. And that was kind of the, the nub more than kind of more of the rational arguments. But if I had just come right out the gate said like, well, the reason you're an atheist because you like fornication. That's why, you know, sometimes, it's just like you want to yeah. move things slower and help people to see even if that is even if it is true. But it might right. not be true. Right.
0: Even if that is like the deepest reason why someone is holding their, their belief. Like, yeah. So if a Catholic is, that is talk- the most effective thing to do is probably not.
1: Yeah. You do. So I guess you don't want to speculate on motives. Yeah. Just reach people to what they what they say to you. What are some other things that you have found not helpful when Catholics especially maybe someone a Protestant who's just yeah I'm open-minded yeah you know I'm interested in Catholicism what do you what do you have to say
0: yeah so um I was thinking about this a lot and one of the things that I noticed like and it seems it's going to be it's going to sound obvious like to a lot of Catholics but just try to stick to using the Bible you know as much as you can interesting if you want to persuade a Protestant to become Catholic and I know that that's, that's difficult because, you know, obviously Catholics don't assume Sola Scriptura. So, so one of the things that you could do is, yeah. is argue against that, right? You could argue against Sola Scriptura and then say, well, well, now we have other grounds. But uh, maybe, maybe emotionally there's a tie, the Protestant has an emotional tie right. to Sola Scriptura or affirming that the Bible is like the ultimate authority and that that's the only thing that we can use. So or, could, or maybe
1: they have an idea that, like, Catholics just have a very low view of Scripture in mm-hmm, general, or it's mm-hmm. not that important to theology. Mm-hmm. And if you just don't talk about it, that could reinforce that incorrect yeah. stereotype. Well,
0: and, and something that I've found, I mean, because <clears throat> it's it's not as if Catholicism is, like, just this random branch of Christianity that has nothing to do with the Bible. Right. Right? There's all sorts of verses that can be appealed to and, and that are often appealed to in defense of, like, all sorts of these different doctrines and traditions. Mm-hmm. And so it's, but it, because, you know, there, there is no assumption of Sola Scriptura or anything like that, then you can obviously appeal to the Magisterium and to other things. So, uh, but but for a Protestant, it's really helpful, very persuasive, if you can make an argument from the Bible. Is that, that, that would be my point, is don't not use the Bible. Use the Bible. Use the Bible. <laughs> just, use, just use the Bible. Use the Bible. Yeah. Well, I think, I, and I'm not saying, jo- don't just, well, maybe I am saying
1: just use the Bible. Well, don't don't straightjacket yourself. Yeah. But I think one of the best, maybe one of the best things a Catholic can do when, when talking to a Protestant about Catholicism is to express biblical fluency mm-hmm. in the sense of that because you have a deep love of scripture. Right. You see Catholicism infused throughout scripture, right, and then you can you can reference that and and, and talk about it um, I, you know what I'll be honest, I think many Catholics the reason they might get scared talking about the Bible with Protestants is they feel outgunned because protestants are, i'm sorry Catholics are often not raised with a chapter verse mentality mm-hmm. um, so Scott Hahn would would put it this way that um the Protestants know the Bible like a mailman knows the neighborhood. He knows the Johnsons live on one, two, three, four Elm Street. You know, he knows where address, street address of every house. Mm-hmm. Catholics know the neighborhood like um, the 10 year old kid knows it. He may not know the address, but he knows, well, the Johnsons live by the yellow fire hydrant by the barking dog. Yeah. And so they they know where this stuff is in a more intuitive way. Mm-hmm. And so you can feel intimidated when you want to talk with a Protestant, they'll say, well, why don't you believe in eternal security? What about Philippians 1.6? What about, uh, you know, listing off chapter and verse as a Catholic? Like, well, I've heard this stuff. Because like when you're Protestant, it seems like a lot of Protestants with their kids in, what's it called? Awana? There's like, well, there's a, I remember this program. It's kind of like Vacation Bible School, but it's like a program for Protestant children just to like learn to memorize scripture, essentially.
0: And we, I, we never did that growing up. So.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> that's why that's why Catholics got him. They got him
0: because uh,
1: if you would only memorized there's going to be a, a Protestant response. To you. If, he'd mm, if he had only memorized the scriptures.
0: If he had only been in the programs that I like, <laughs> right? Then he'd stay Protestant.
1: But I, I think that that can for for Catholics there's just like feeling, "No, you do know a lot about the Bible." Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know the chapter and verse, you can point to parts and say, "Yeah, but what about this?" So you so what you're saying is don't be afraid of that don't you know try to incorporate the bible as much as possible when you're sharing the faith
0: yeah what i'm um, what i'm saying is that the bible is very persuasive Mm. to to a protestant right yeah and those were the parts of like your book on Mm. uh the the case for catholicism those parts of your book were the ones that i was like really focused on Mm. i was like okay now i need to pay attention like he's now he's talking about some verse in john because now that's interesting about Matthew. Because that's know?
1: interesting. Because it feels like a lot of Catholics just go straight to like the Church Fathers mm-hmm. as like almost like a kind of trump card.
0: Yeah, or like a validation of their interpretation of the the passages.
1: Right, and maybe you can speak to that as to what's effective or, or not as effective about mm-hmm. just because I feel like maybe the some, Church
0: Fathers yeah. to me, I, I didn't even like I didn't re- even really care about them. And I was just like, I just really want to know what the Bible says. Yeah. And I, I'm way more interested in reading like what a contemporary scholar might have to say mm-hmm. about this passage right. and the implications and the background and everything, as opposed to reading someone who is back in the day. Because right. I, I, part of—and and this could be idiosyncr- idiosyncratic, so mm-hmm. this may not apply to other Protestants. But right. for me, I maybe I had the assumption that today's scholars are going to be familiar with the older literature— and they're going to be familiar with newer literature. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a sort of wider, maybe maybe they're going to be a little bit more reliable because they right. have a, access to all of the church fathers as opposed to just like one church father giving his opinion mm-hmm. and then reading another church father. He, they're, they're trying to provide maybe a synthesis of all of the church fathers and their own views and what they've learned about the historical background and everything and the, and the Jewish roots of Jesus and whatnot. So... I had kind of been working off the assumption that the contemporary scholars are like the ones that we should kind of like, like be listening to.
1: So like somebody who has access to lexicons and materials now might be in a better position to know about a first century practice than, let's say, someone in the fifth century.
0: Right. Well, um, something that, that Michael Lofton said the other day on his channel was uh, interesting to me. It was, it was all about the and typological argument and stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you actually... And, and maybe he's wrong about this but i i mean i don't really have reason to suspect that he's wrong about this but yeah. I, I believe he said that in the septuagint the greek translation of the old testament it right. was part of the verse in isaiah 22:22 22, 22 is missing from mm. that and so that that was his one of the uh, potential suggestions that he gave as to why that hasn't really been tied from the very beginning of the church, why this sort of typological argument wasn't right. made is because it wasn't in the the Greek Septuagint, which is what the early church fathers were mm-hmm. using, and so that that is also something that I like. I want to.
1: Well, yeah, that is an argument that's often made that a Catholic will offer a proof text. It's mm-hmm. kind of like using. Well, I'm planning to write a book on Protestant use of the church fathers here mm-hmm. soon uh saying Catholics will use this proof text, but the church fathers didn't use this proof text. Mm-hmm. So maybe it doesn't mean what they they think it means. Mm-hmm. Uh I might do I'm playing I might do a deep dive on that soon because I worry that that same argument, like a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, could say, you use this proof for the deity of Christ or for the Trinity. And they the, didn't do it. But the church fathers didn't use the verse in this way. Right. So, and that's
0: an important doctrine.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a central uh uh doctrine. Now, that's of one of faith. the responses
0: to this uh this the whole papacy thing that I, or the the deep dive into the papacy is that the papacy is such an important central doctrine. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they have seen this back in the day? And of course there are people like Daniel Vecchio who argue that I I think that there's, there is early attestation of it, but
1: right. And then the, and once again, I would say, all right, are we holding um, the same standard? So I like that what you said, that Catholics should be biblically fluent. Mm -hmm. I think it can also be helpful. Like if I'm engaging a Protestant, this idea that, Oh, well, you know, Catholics are more about tradition than scripture. Like, I don't say, well, here are all of the biblical... You may disagree with them, yeah. but here's all of the biblical data for the papacy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where is the biblical data for Sola Scriptura? And I think the common argument now, like the strongest form that's put out, is it's more of a logical argument than a biblical argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's sometimes interesting. I might compare a Protestant doctrine and a Catholic doctrine, and noting, hey, are you going to hold yourself to the same standard of wanting robust um biblical data so Mm -hmm. but yeah biblical fluency absolutely um maybe i don't know if there's any others that that you just feel like okay i've got two two others two others let's let's hop into them
0: yeah okay so uh number four is don't be pushy Mm. which we've kind of like touched on that here and there but what i would say is this is something that i learned with my if you guys or you may not know my my story the reason why i'm in apologetics and philosophy in the first place is because my brother became an atheist mm. uh, a little over a decade now. And one thing that I had to learn early on, because w- when I started to research apologetics and philosophy and these arguments for the existence of God, all I wanted to do was to, to share all of this with him and be like, okay, convert, come, come back to Christianity. Here's all these great reasons yeah. to, to be a Christian. And what I learned is that the, like he, he knew when I was when I had an ulterior motive, when I would go into a conversation, just like I don't know, at Thanksgiving or or any other sort of meeting that we were at, and I always had that motive. Like I was always trying to put to like put something on him and yeah. and share some arguments, share some thought, spark up a conversation about apologetics. I even remember telling him one day, I was like, Trevor, this is never going away. Like I'm never gonna leave you alone about this. Mm. And now that i like looking back on that now it's it's very cringy, and yeah, the reason for that is eventually I had to come to the realization that what I was doing with my brother is i was I was like kind of using him or I was using arguments as a sort of weapon in mm. his case, and i in every conversation that we had, I had an ulterior motive, so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that I was actually trying to love on my brother, I was trying to beat him up with an argument. And force him back into Christianity.
1: And every conversation is just an excuse to get to an argument. Exactly. Instead of just having an actual fulfilling relationship.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I had to like kind of reorient my my entire approach to my brother, and really just remind myself like this is my brother. I just need to love on him. Yeah. And like we can we can hang out. We don't have to talk about God or Christianity or apologetics or arguments every time that we meet. Yeah. And so I, I changed my approach. And just reminded myself mm-hmm. that I needed to, to love on him. And not the kind of love where you're like, you're loving him just so you can, you know, so you still have this ulterior motive, but genuine love, like just for the other it, person.
1: Intrinsic versus instrumental. Exactly. Yeah, so it's for the sake of just willing his good. Mm-hmm. Because there's lots of things that are good for someone beyond, having the correct faith is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it's also good that you know you have a roof over your head. You have uh, good relationships with other people as a social creature. There are other goods like to right. love someone, even if you you know we can to love someone. We will though we can will those goods for a person genuinely for them, regardless of what they do mm-hmm. in their faith journey. So. so
0: applying this now to the whole like Catholicism question. Yeah, don't do what I did with my brother. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't like if if you have someone in your life who is a protestant and who is uh maybe maybe even they're not like open to considering what you have to say or whatever you still i think have to orient yourself correctly mm-hmm. toward that person and the way to do that is to orient yourself toward love mm-hmm. and focus get that down first before you go and try to have conversations with them but what what I've learned is that it, it's once you have a sort of foundation of of love as the like the foundation of the relationship with this other person, then you can just let conversations happen organically. Yeah, and when they do, they they can be productive because I think what another sort of aspect of these earlier conversations I had with my brother is that they were they were in a defensive context. Mm-hmm. I was defensive, and he was defensive. Whereas now. Love kind of like breaks down those barriers. So it's instead yeah. of like trying to defend what I believe, I'm focused on loving him right. and being open to like, well, maybe I am wrong about something. And so that's, that's what I would suggest do for Protestants. So don't, don't, yeah. don't treat them as like case studies or like don't treat them as little things that you're trying to win or you know what I mean? Right. Like treat them like actual people and, and love them first. And uh, and don't be
1: too pushy. Don't be pushy. Yeah, don't be pushy. Don't be too pushy. Because you might pushy. have to
0: nudge a little. Every now and then you might have to say something, you know. But I and think I, and yeah. I, I I do that with my brother too. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? But again, it's it's in the context now of of a loving relationship.
1: You've right. earned the ability to do that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you've earned the ability to do that. And maybe another thing, in it's so funny. I got now I got to run back and add an appendix to my <laughs> "When Protestants Argue Like Atheists" book. Maybe it's because that'd be when Catholics. It's like, just as a Protestant, you don't want to be pushy with an atheist friend or family member, mm-hmm. and you want to bring them to the faith. Mm-hmm. As a Catholic, talking to a Protestant, or a Protestant, who may have... The, 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 these is all just basic charity. Anybody yes. can apply yes. these yes. to anyone you're talking about. But I think what would be most fruitful would be, all right, um, focusing on areas where we, where we agree. Like, as a Catholic and a Protestant... I think one of the most effective ways to build up a relationship with Protestant brothers and sisters and to open the door to talk about Catholicism is to just invest a lot of time in the things we passionately agree about. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who are Catholic uh, because they were like the two Protestants in the local pro-life group that's all Catholics. Mm. And I've heard that story. There's a whole anthology similar to that by, from Pat- Patrick Madrid called Surprised by Life. And I've heard this story. It's like, we were doing, we were the only Protestants in our church that so would pray in front of the abortion clinic. And like, we just talked to Catholics all the time out there. And then it just kind of happened. Or, or like, you know, if you're, you know, if I'm working with Protestants on engaging sophisticated atheism, and like that's where we're spending all our time on. And then we're talking about classical theism or we're talking about Aquinas. And then it like naturally leads to, what do you think about some of this other stuff? Mm-hmm. I guess it's like, don't, so we're talking about the don'ts. Don't just rush to the areas where we disagree and mm. fight it out. Mm-hmm. Let's spend a lot of time where we agree. And then it makes it a lot easier to, to talk. All right, now we'll talk about the disagree. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: Yeah. No, I and, and uh thinking back with my brother as well, like I there there are many times where I've actively sought to, to have conversations with him on things that we agree about. Yeah. That are somewhat related to the area. I even remember one time. We, we were again. It was a sort of a organic conversation that was happening. But his his views had seemed to have shifted toward, and this was way before I was even interested in Catholicism. But his views had sort of shifted toward a view that sounded very close to classical theism. Mm. And I was like, I just suggested to him one day. I was like, maybe you should like consider classical theism. And uh, I mean, he he hadn't really had any familiarity with it. But yeah. I, I forget where i was going with that but. well
1: it's like finding let's say you're talking with an atheist friend finding areas
0: of it yes yeah.
1: so it's like instead of saying all right here is Klam argument and here's why your objections don't work instead of saying like, okay maybe we can move maybe we agree that god is not a delusion mm-hmm. god is not a stupid idea mm-hmm. it is there are compelling arguments out there and atheists who say arguments don't matter they're they're incorrect it's like mm-hmm. yeah and you know, because I and I've enjoyed seeing online people like Rationality Rules or, or others um, engaging, or, or Scott Clifton and others engaging, or especially real atheology does this. All, real atheology does this so much they get accused of being secret Christians. Yeah, of saying to other atheists, "Hey, this isn't that great of an argument," or "Hey, mm-hmm. this actually isn't what Christians believe." So yeah. it's like if you're talking about like an atheist friend, it's like, "Well, this aspect, these arguments, aspects of atheism, that's." Not good. So maybe like with a Protestant saying, hey, these caricatures of Catholicism or this aspect of Protestantism. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's another one maybe. When Catholics speak to a Protestant, you know, you could speak to, recognize that Protestant is this giant spectrum. Mm-hmm. And like you really have, so maybe you could speak to that. You have to really spend a lot of time with someone to find out what they believe because if you just hear that they're Protestant,
0: that can mean a ton of things. yeah. Well, something I was going to talk about that's related to that. Let me see mm-hmm. if that's actually my... Your fifth point? My fifth point. Um, or is yeah, this it, 4.5? It is, it, it, this is 5. Um, okay. It, it is somewhat related to that in that... Uh, what I was going to say is, is 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 encourage the Protestants to really take their objections to Catholicism seriously. Mm. And so I think that's related to what you were saying because everyone has... I think a lot of Protestants have their own sort of baggage that they bring to the table. Right. And everyone is going to have their own unique objections. And I've seen that with Brittany. I've seen it with uh, other Protestants. Is is Everyone has uh, James White, Gavin Ortland, They all have their own set of issues or problems with the Catholic Church. And so uh, the suggestion that I was going to have is just encourage them to actually take their issues seriously. Mm-hmm. so don't forget that like don't forget to it that if i was pushed by someone to be like because i had some my objections to catholicism i would i would label them as like pretty superficial so even though i was like i i just could never i, I could not understand the doctrine of of divine simplicity mm-hmm. i was like i i just can't it doesn't make any sense to me but i hadn't done a deep study on divine simplicity like i haven't actually gone out and read works and tried to understand proponents of the view and stuff it just seemed to me very confusing seemed on the surface of it just to to not make any sense and so i'm maybe if i had actually done a study on it i could have worked through that and so uh the the suggestion is kind of kind of similar to like focus on things that are going to be persuasive to that person encourage them to actually take their objections seriously.
1: Maybe another one I would add here is Catholics not say to Protestants, don't make acceptance of Catholicism hinge on accepting your particular Catholic theology. Mm -hmm. And maybe, uh, and I think, especially uh, among some Catholics who have have more conservative views that might say, no, it's it's this theology, Mm -hmm. or bust, Mm -hmm. without recognizing that Within Catholicism, you have that. I guess a classic example would be it's Aquinas or bust. Mm-hmm. Unless you are that, they're like if you're a Catholic, Unless you're thing, like
0: a full blown Thomist,
1: don't bother. Or, yeah, the idea of, of saying Catholics don't say to Protestants, don't turn Catholicism into Thomism mm-hmm. or or Scotism or mm-hmm. you know, or any or other particular kinds of um niche theological views. We recognize, of course, Aquinas as a pride of place. But knowing, I guess presenting to people, there is theological, diver- where the church allows theological diversity. Mm-hmm.
0: So for example... It's narrower yeah. in Catholicism than it is in Protestantism. It is. It's, it's narrower. But, but, not, but yeah, there but, still is variety.
1: But saying like, for example, I can't wrap my head around the brethren of the Lord being cousins. That's not persuasive to me at all. Instead of saying, well, if you can't accept that, tough on you. It's saying, well, no, no, the church hasn't defined the nature of the brethren of the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's just said what they're not. Mm -hmm. They're not children of Mary, Mm -hmm. but they could be children of Joseph from a previous marriage. These are live options. Mm -hmm. So material, you know, this gets into material sufficiency debates. You know, there's all these kinds of intra debates. So I think I might, maybe that's one thing. When you present the Catholic faith, uh, present as many live options as possible. It's similar, I guess, if you were talking to an atheist, you wouldn't say, well, if you don't accept young earth creationism, you can't be Christian. Right.
0: Yeah. That's a good example. I was trying to think of a good example. But that, that's a good one. Yeah. You don't have to be a young earth creationist to be a Christian, obviously.
1: Right. Or, you know, taking different views about the, 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 the Even issue. Even if became...
0: you're convinced of young earth creationism. Right. You don't have to tell the atheist, well, you've got to believe this in order to become a Christian.
1: Yeah, you can say, right? I believe it for these reasons. Yeah. But you're allowed to, to do that. But you can, but there's diversity there. So I think that's important to uh, understand when Catholics, when we present the faith to Protestants... Um, present Catholicism and say, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, here's the things that we can, you cannot disagree about. The mm-hmm. things are defi These are infallibly taught. Here are other issues that are are a bit more open. Mm-hmm. And just to to be honest about that. So great. I don't know if there's any, anything else on on your mind about That's... some last words Catholics, even just general attitudes <sighs> when you're engaging Protestant friends or family.
0: Um, yeah, I, I would just reiterate to to really focus on. Uh, loving the other person mm-hmm. and and just kind of say that again is that that that's something that I think is kind of overlooked because we get so wrapped up in like I think we do really get emotionally tied to apologetics, yeah it, it, be it Catholic apologetics or just broader Christian apologetics. I think we get emotionally tied to that, and we think that we have to like present that every time that we talk to someone or or Say things in a certain way that's that's going to lend itself toward a conversation like that, but I think that we need to really reorient ourselves mm-hmm. and remember that we're talking to people, right? And instead of like, I think that's a, a just a big mistake that we can and everyone falls into it. You know, everyone sure. falls into the the trap of like just wanting to use these arguments and, and, and trying to win people over to your own particular view as opposed to creating a foundation of love and respect between you and this other person and then apologetics can still happen you know it's 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 not to say that you're just going to abandon apologetics it's that you've got to set you've got to have a foundation the right the right kind of foundation you can't you can't have a foundation of like i don't even know if this makes sense but a foundation of arguments doesn't really make sense relationally a foundation of love does and when you build on top of that then you can then have good conversations and i think like if you've been struggling with having productive conversations with people that could be one of the issues it right. could it could just be that you're approaching this the completely wrong way and and you're not you're you're like that's just not one of your goals is to to really love the other person and it, it it's biblical you know it's it's there's, sure. there's reasons to To love on the person that you're dialoguing with? Well, Pope Francis
1: has made this distinction himself. He's talked about the wrongness of proselytism Mm. and the good of evangelism, Mm -hmm. where proselytism is viewed as using coercion or manipulation, or even, you know, just I'm going to beat somebody in this argument and then I defeated your argument, so you have to convert. Yeah. it's That would be the idea of, pro- and of this sense of since I defeated your argument, that's another notch on the belt, I got another one. Mm-hmm. That would be the kind of illicit proselytism uh, that um, Pope Francis has talked about, whereas evangelism, of opening that dialogue, of asking questions, of presenting the joy of the faith and why you find it compelling and answering misconceptions And objections i guess maybe the way to look at it to close it out would be when we engage catholics engage protestants you don't want to look at it as like a a boxing match
0: Mm uh
1: you know or something like that it's more of like a hike and and it takes a while and you Mm -hmm. want to walk alongside someone and, and and they need to take a break let them take a break yeah don't don't take them on a you know a four mile hike after their long trip laura just kidding my, my <laughs> wife loves our, our her she's notorious in our family for you want to go on a walk but it's got to be a four mile walk otherwise it's not worth it so mm. but sometimes it's like i just need a little break i'll keep walking with you i just want a little break and maybe that happens in our relationships yeah when we're sharing our faith let them know yeah here's something think about it but i'm always here if you want to talk about it more
0: mm-hmm. So i had it i had another one and it just slipped <sighs> my mind it was a good one i i got it back okay good. um don't is, I think, because we deal, in the apologetics world, mm-hmm. we grow so accustomed to other people who act and think like us, mm. right? So we, we, I mean, me and, and the friends that I have on, online now, everyone cares about philosophy. Everyone cares about apologetics. They really care about arguments. They really care about logical thinking. But I think what you may get into a, a sticky situation is, if you in, try to engage a Protestant, for example, who's not into apologetics or not into philosophy, doesn't really care about having these sort of logical structures and care about all these rational reasons and stuff. Yeah. So you may just basically not communicate in the way that the other person needs to be communicated with. Yeah. And so uh, that, that's one of the things that I've had to learn as well is that like it's... It, it, not everyone needs to to have like a, a deductive argument with mm-hmm. a conclusion that necessarily follows, you know. And so don't just assume that everyone is going to respond to the way that you think. Yeah. Maybe as a way of putting it. And actually try to listen to what the other person is, is trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. It, which may not be, I mean, because one of the issues that I've had is I, I've tried to put objections to Catholicism in this sort of rigid, logical form. But even, like, there was a video that I was watching from Gavin Ortland and I was like, I, I can't, I literally can't follow the logical form of this, of mm-hmm. what he's trying to argue. And I was like, what are the steps of the argument? What is the conclusion? But maybe that's the wrong way of, like, interpreting what he was trying it's to say. It's more of an
1: intuitive argument. Yeah. Or a non-rational appeal to like what seems to be. Or,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so don't don't just assume that everyone is going to be thinking in these like really rigid, and this may be more, again, one of these idiosyncratic points. Sure. Because I, I don't know that everyone actually does that. But as someone who has, I mean, I've lived and breathed philosophy and, and apologetics for uh, several years. And so that's just like part of who I am now. Mm-hmm. But uh, not everyone's like that. You know, if you've got a Protestant friend... Who's just like they just go to church, yeah. and then you're gonna like, okay, well, here's you know here's all these reasons why the papacy is true. It's like they're that that may be the completely wrong way to go about like trying to persuade them of Catholicism, so yeah. I don't really have the answer to that like what what should you do in a case of <laughs> well, like, I mean, well that's what
1: we're talking about now is just what not to do, yeah, and what not yeah. to do is to assume that everybody will it's respond to, to the same way
0: exactly they're going don't assume that everyone's going to respond. Well, in the way that you would hope that they would respond, or
1: yeah, yeah. No, you want to, uh, once again be able to walk alongside them and let them know the door is always open. And if the answer is no, I'm not convinced, mm-hmm. you're still there to will other goods mm-hmm. in their life, that you're not just going to abandon them because you didn't get them. That mm-hmm. would be treating them instrumentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's, um, that's all very helpful. So, Hey, this is great. Oh, I, I do have one last thing. I want to recommend our listeners. Um, and I think it's always funny when I record these, I have to think, I think I did an episode before. right? I'm hoping I did, where I talked about one of the best ways Catholics can reach Protestants. Now I got to record that episode and make sure it gets up because I'm referencing it before it happened. This is like time travel. Um, right? I thought one of the best ways is just be. And I talked about this here in, in our chat you know being really good on stuff we agree on like answering atheism mm-hmm. uh answering pro abortion arguments things that we passionately agree about that people want to come around to uh i am so grateful that you're catholic because i for a long
0: time what have, do i let me, let me cut you off D- am i catholic now or how does that what what is the right terminology to use i well i'm going to say
1: Sorry, Convinced I was, I was, I was speaking, I was speaking shorthandedly. You're a, you're a catechumen now. Okay. I think that's well, the right term. Yeah. Because while I came in, I wasn't baptized. Okay. So I was a so straight up, I was a straight up pagan. Okay. So like when I, I mean, I was, you know, I, I had, if I had died during my conversion experience, mm-hmm. I would have had a baptism of desire. Mm, it could have yeah. buried me in the Catholic cemetery because I had actively desired baptism, mm-hmm. and I was the I was referred to as a catechumen. Okay, and I and I believe the same term would would apply to someone who's seeking confirmation, uh-huh. who is baptized, seeking full communion with the church. So it's it, it, not a done deal until you receive the, the sacrament of confirmation. Okay, you're like a catechumen, I would say. But um, sorry to no no take you off. Choo choo train's coming back on the track now. <laughs> um, uh, finding the things that we. We've, oh, well, here's, here's what it was. I want more Catholics. There's a lot of Catholics who engage in the Catholic-Protestant dialogue mm-hmm. or apologetics. But one of the, the things that I started when I started Catholic Answers 10 years ago was where are the Catholics doing atheism? Where are the Catholics doing the pro-life stuff? And that's why I wrote my first books were Answering Atheism and Persuasive Pro-Life. Because like what brought me to Christianity was the work of William Lane Craig, JP Moreland, like mm-hmm. those people. Mm-hmm. And then other Catholics came along, you know, showed me, you know, their apologetics. But I was thinking, well, Catholics, we have a rich intellectual tradition. And where are the Catholics, where are the where's the Catholics who are debating atheists? Where are the Catholics who are doing this? And I didn't see it or engaging the, the more sophisticated. I tell you what would grind my gears was just hearing Catholics on like Twitter saying, Oh, just, you know, an atheist, like, well, prove God exists linked to Summa Theologia. Mm. There you go. What more do you need? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Aquinas even says this is not a proof. This is just a summary for a beginner's theology class. It's not a rigorous proof in the Summa. Mm-hmm. And so I was just so frustrated. And, and, and since the 10 years I've been at Catholic Answers, I've wanted to really encourage Catholics, like, hey, f- f- because there are good Catholic philosophers who do high level christian theism stuff i mean you you cover that stuff all the time you have yeah. alex Pruss, ed Fazer, uh francis beckwith you've rob got coons rob coons is amazing and it's like in the catholic philosophy world and in pro-life there's a bunch of catholic philosophers pat lee robert george frank beckwith again uh chris Kazer. but at the popular level i, I was didn't like you know
0: that Kayser was mm-hmm. that's cool
1: oh he he's written he's got like the one is of the he best a,
0: is he a convert or uh or a- I don't know. I'll
1: have to ask. I, I do not know the answer to that one, but he's one of the best books on abortion. Yeah, hands down, yeah, yeah. I think of abortion. most
0: people recognize that too.
1: Oh, yeah. But then it's like at the popular level... Didn't he have like a new work coming out? Third edition Okay. of Ethics of Abortion just came out. But at the popular level, I was just seeing a bunch of Protestants who were doing like Randy Alcorn and stuff, doing the Scott Klusendorf, doing Stand to Reason, Greg Kokel, doing the pro-life stuff. I'm like, where? come on Catholics, what are we doing here? So that's why I'm just so pumped that you can bring high-level, rigorous, defensive Christian theism to Catholic audiences. Mm-hmm. Now, they'll say that you're, you know, when, when they say, after you're receiving the church, like, you're Catholic. But this is stuff that th- they're not getting. And I, that's why I definitely want to encourage people to support what Cameron is doing. Because your channel is focusing now on mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. What be, that it's, that's what it's going to be focusing on
0: and which is actually a way of uniting protestants
1: and Catholics. yes like i was i was so jazzed when i went to ccv2 capturing christianity conference ccv1 v1 it was that v1 that yeah. was the first one yeah, yeah yeah that's right yeah the the but i did i was at the exchange mm-hmm. with alex i was like yes. the v2 exchange yeah. with the v1 and just being there and just talking Christian theism with a bunch of other Protestants, and yeah. where we agree and where we disagree about how to do that, and it was just so fun. But it's and there's just, not enough of that. There, there's a ton of Protestants who are out doing that stuff, right? But to have Catholics who are putting that material out there getting past the village atheism, mm-hmm. getting past the Dawkins atheism to like, we're the high, engaging the best, the best stuff Oppie
0: and everyone.
1: Yeah. And, and, and now that stuff from, from Oppie and Mackie and Sobel, that's being popularized uh, by atheist YouTubers that want to up their game. So like, we need your work so badly. So that's why, I, because I know there have been some people who no longer want to support your work Yeah, just because you are no longer protestant yeah and, and i find that that's so sad because like for example like i would be like i sometimes financially support missionaries mm. who do pro-life work and the ones i support are catholic but if one of them said you know what i i'm i don't think i can be catholic anymore i'm going to be protestant but i'm still going to be doing all this great pro-life stuff i would tell them hey you know i'm going to be praying for you but you know what I want you to, as long as what you're focusing on is doing the pro-life, mm-hmm. keep at it, because you're awesome at it. I would mm-hmm. never say, like, you betrayed me. I, I, don't, I don't want you saving babies anymore. Yeah. What? Yeah. Of course I want them still saving babies, and we'll talk about the theology stuff later. So the same, you have to be so sad for a Protestant. Oh, you're, you're not Protestant anymore. I don't, want pe- I don't want you showing people Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> what? So that's why it's unfortunate. If I see people who don't longer support you, that's why I would encourage Catholics, go support Cameron. So he can do the fundamental thing. Because here's the thing, folks. Um, I, I, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pontificate a little. I, I don't like it when Catholics let Protestants prove Christian theism. And then the Catholic walks in. And here's why you should believe in, believe in the papacy. It's like, dude, it's like you let the other guy do all this heavy lifting and you just kind of walk in. Yeah. Why don't you give the whole case? Man? Yeah. You should do the whole case. Yeah. And which in some respects, like using classical theism, I think can be stronger. So it's like, but that's why, uh, you know, I want, I just sincerely hope people will, will support what you're doing. Especially to make up for people who would, who would make what I think is the wrong decision in that regard. How can people support more what you're doing in Capturing Christianity?
0: There's, <clears throat> there's two ways, and I appreciate everything that you, that you said about that. Um, Patreon.com slash Capturing Christianity is a way to give monthly. And that's, that's the main thing that we need right now, support uh, monthly. But if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can go to our website, capturingchristianity.com slash donate, and you can make a, a one-time donation there. Uh, but one thing I, I wanted to, to piggyback off of that sure. is my, my view—I've held this view even as a Protestant—is that the body of Christ— Okay, so here's, here's the, the guy that I, I typically will, will cite when I make this point. Mm-hmm. William Lane Craig, jack of all trades. He knows— like everything about everything when it comes to philosophy like any subject in philosophy <laughs> he can, makes this way yeah you can <laughs> like you can uh, i mean he's he's not omniscient obviously but he he just his breadth of knowledge yeah. in philosophy is astounding yeah he he knows so much about all these different subjects but i think that people like wayne Lane craig are very rare Mm. and moving forward i don't know that we're going to have people like that mm. that are a sort of jack of all trades yeah. and i think that the body of christ moving forward especially when it pertains to apologetics and stuff it's going to be an army of specialists mm. so in in that's that's one of the things that i see with capturing christianity is that we're specializing in this one area that is that is ultimately going what i think and I, and i hope is going to unite Protestants and Orthodox and, and Catholics together, right. um, but it's it's one aspect of building the case for Christianity. Yeah, and it's it's really important again because people nowadays are specializing in different things. The the philosophers that you mentioned earlier, Rob Coons and Alex Proust and stuff, they're not like a a William Lane Craig in the sense of like using i mean he's got a phd in philosophy and a phd in in theology theology and it's like that's unusual first of all to have two phds and then to to be able to build a case for the resurrection historically but then also have all of these different you know he's famous for defending the kalam cosmological argument and 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 he's and he he does does the resurrection exactly and and he does both of those at the the highest level but uh nowadays what you'll find is that you'll you'll have like one guy who's just super great on one argument yeah and and what we need to do is i mean what capturing christianity does is we kind of like take all of those guys and build a whole case yeah using all of their work so it's like a whole bunch of little wame craigs instead of like one big you know
1: <laughs> there's a philosophy <laughs> thought experiment this big apollo is it a william lane craig apologist if it's a large apologist constructed of thousands of william lane craigs (laughs) if you have a transitive relation there uh but no you're right and also not just but craig is unique not just because he has two phds but he's also an accomplished debater and an excellent public speaker yes and popularizing because he can write also a popular level work so he can write sometimes he'll write works at like the he can write at the easy the intermediate and the advanced level Mm -hmm. so you had people like philosophers who can only write at the advanced level yeah and so some people in the world you see them just translate it Mm -hmm. down for people to understand Mm -hmm. and what you do is you've got you've got all those people in one place
0: Mm -hmm. now i will say though that i mean we're not always able to distill these ideas at the level of of like a beginner's level so sometimes we do get a little bit deeper. And I think that... And that's okay. Yeah, and we need to be able to do that. I mean, it, it does take some some work and effort, but we actually have... I mean, I could mention that. We, we have some free resources that can help you get started mm-hmm. if you're just coming into the dialogue and stuff. There's a lot of terms that get thrown around, like ontology and epistemology and all these different sorts of terms and Bayesianism. What you can do if you'd like to learn... What those terms mean. If you'd like to actually start to to get deeper in mm-hmm. into things, uh, if you go to uh, any video that we have on our channel, there's a link to a free PDF of all of these different terms yeah. defined, and we've got links to like uh, philosophy encyclopedias and stuff, so that you can actually go and study those terms uh, deeper and, and more in depth and stuff. But it's a it's a free resource to help you along the way mm-hmm. to help you because that's that's the main thing. It's not that like. It's not that people are, it, it, like, the material is too smart for people to understand or, like, too intellectual. Right. In some cases, I mean, I will say, like, some of the people that I interview, they're they're just too smart. <laughs> uh, well, you got,
1: it, you got, like, Alex Press. I think he has a PhD in philosophy I and, haven't math- intervie- and mathematics. I haven't, I haven't interviewed him. I know. He's just, like, the he's, mysterious philosopher. He
0: doesn't do that kind of thing. Uh, he doesn't have to go some, hide
1: at Baylor behind a bush. You're like,
0: Alex! <laughs> there are some people, like... Um, Richard Swinburne, where an interview with him, kind of sometimes it can get difficult to follow just because he's so smart. But and then
1: I end up saying, "What would be wrong with a world that has meteors crashing <laughs> about with no sentient life?" I think that would be beautiful, Cameron. <laughs> I can listen to him all day, whatever he talks about. I Your love accents that. are terrible. Though. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> oh, Matt Fred, is that true? Is it a terrible accent?
0: <laughs> oh, oh man! Please stop. Um, man. so. Uh, the point that I was making is uh, it's not as it, it's not that the material is too difficult to understand. It's that you you probably just don't know the definitions to these like terms. Yeah. But if you knew those definitions, then it, it, it's it's the same with any like specialized field. Mm-hmm. If you're a plumber, you're going to use terms with other plumbers right. that the non plumber is not going to understand. Just in the same thing is true. Once you get into apologetics and you you learn these terms that are sort of shorthand for these really complex things. But once you learn the yeah. concept and you learn the word, then you can start using them yourself and it just makes things flow a lot easier and you can have these sort of deeper conversations. But um, it, yeah, you, you do need to do a little bit of work. And you got those links
1: it. under every video every on video, the Capturing Christianity page.
0: Yes, if you just go to any video, it, there's a there's gonna be a link, free resources, just click that link and you sign up and then you get the, the PDF. It's also on our website, too. You can search for it there.
1: And people can support you at Patreon, Capturing Christianity. Patreon.com
0: slash Capturing Christianity. And then
1: you had another non-Patreon way. Yes,
0: yes. yes. So if you don't like Patreon or if you'd like to do a one-time donation, CapturingChristianity.com slash donate.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you all so much. And look forward to future conversations with you on this and many other issues. Thank you, guys. And, yeah, I hope you all have a very blessed day.
0: If you like today's episode, become a premium subscriber at our Patreon page and get access to member-only content. For more information, visit Trenthornpodcast.com.